0: Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin,
1: Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance
0: People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Dave Pendleton. David. Martin. We're on a roll. Indeed. We're locking down um it's the month of march uh we've got more time to focus on delivery not delivery sorry on uh content content that's what i was going to say digital content Deliver- delivery's been locked down till probably may at the earliest mm-hmm. due to the coronavirus um so we're just really busy aren't we developing some new content we've been wanting to record hubcasts for a while in certain areas today's topic is negotiation uh, we we know we've we've uh, not done something around negotiation for a while. Mm. Uh, it's something you enjoy, Dave. You feel passionate about negotiating, certainly from a sales context, but mm-hmm. in a lot of different contexts as well. Mm. So I guess um, today we one of the things we realised we'd not had an open discussion about was more around the the most common negotiable issues when it comes to negotiation. Because we talk a lot about, or you talk a lot, Dave, about different types of Mm. negotiation, the dirty tricks of Mm. negotiation. You talk a lot about how you do it. Process and mechanics. Yeah, Mm. but we never really sometimes talk about, well, what typically Mm. in the workplace do we find ourselves negotiating on? Mm. What are the key negotiable issues that we tend to come across more than ever? Because a lot of people think it's always the same thing, which we might as well start with, which is price. Well, the elephant in the room is always (laughs) pricey. Yeah, a lot of people think a negotiation is solely... Reserved for when we're talking about price, or the price of a product or service. Mm. We want to get the seller down. The seller wants us to sell at the highest possible price, and therefore we end up in a negotiation. So it is. It is one of the most um, the most common negotiable issue, Dave. Um, for obvious reasons, mm. everybody wants the pound of flesh, right? Mm. Uh,
1: and do you know what? Interestingly, price is definitely the most frequently discussed in negotiation. Uh, but it's also the one that can create the largest gap and and the longest Mexican standoff, if you like. It can be the one that's the most difficult to negotiate and find solutions for because one party wants it the cheapest, the other party wants the most they can get for whatever it is. Um, And giving ground to the other party feels like a loss so it's the one that people often come into a negotiation with the most static position on
0: yeah and it fuels a lot of emotions does a price discussion it's one of the it's one of the issues and the areas where people get really really stubborn mm-hmm. about it you know mm-hmm. sometimes we're talking about i've seen it happen Dave in in negotiations mm-hmm. we're talking about 10 pound off uh, a pallet of product you know Mm -hmm. and and when people set their sights on on a a particular price point when they don't get it it can get very personal they can take it as a personal you know diss Mm -hmm. and and Mm It does spark emotions, the price point negotiation, more than some of the other issues we're going to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know why this 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 fundamental I know money makes the world go round yeah. and we all wanna we all want to make more money and spend less money, and that's the essence of business, right? Mm. You've got to make more sell mm. more than you spend. But it really does fire up people's emotions. And that's where I I don't know if you agree, Dave. I think on the price, it's where the negotiation can turn the most sour.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and and it can really determine success or failure. It, it, it's the it's the largest issue that creates the worst environment once we bring it up. Mm. Um, and, and I've got some thoughts, I guess, once we start getting into it about what to do if we do if we are faced with that Mexican standoff, i.e., you're at that position, I'm at this position, and nobody's willing to move. Um, but I've got, I guess, I've got an overall tactic around price.
0: That's well, going to help some people. Well, while we're on price, Dave, let's go straight into it. Oh, give okay. it. Just give us What? Because what, a lot of people will be listening to this going, guys, I agree. I'm a salesperson hmm. or I'm a buyer or whatever it might be, and it's always the sticking point. It's sure. always the toughest point when, when we've done the deal, we're, we're reasonably happy with the deal, or so we think, hmm. and then we're trying to haggle over price, okay. or we're a million miles away from on price. So... What's fundamentally, if, in a nutshell, would you say is, if you, I know there's many, but what's your main thing around negotiation on price?
1: Well, I guess if there's a strap line for this, my strap line around price is price is never the price. Price is made up of many, many different things. And if we can understand what those different things are, then we negotiate around those that has an effect on the price. Like Rather it. than just reducing or increasing a num- a numerical figure on a piece of paper or a database.
0: So it's not the price that's the problem. It's the peripherals around the price that somehow lead into the price discussion. So if we work back, what you're saying is if we work back from that, there's something underlying that's either missing, not clear, that will enable us to handle this price objection better. Is that what you're sort yeah, of saying?
1: No, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and, and when inexperienced or poor negotiators just negotiate on the black and white price, they don't understand the knock-on implications of everything else. So so the reason why I guess I've got it the opposite way around to the way lots of people think is because I understand the mechanics of, of the way we, we come to price. So So I guess, let's take us for example. You know, we've got a day rate. The day rate, day rate is relatively static. Um, we don't often go away from the specified day rate. You know, that tends to be our black and white number. Um, but, but how is that number achieved? Well, we've got rent on the property. We've got teas and coffees and lunches that's all included. We've got electricity and utilities for the property. We've got salaries. We've got buildings insurance. I don't need to dig any deeper, but you training idea, materials, right? training yeah. materials, printing, staff costs of all that kind of stuff. So if we just say, right, do you know what? I, I tell you what, I'll give you half price. Right, I'm going to do it for a thousand quid. That means that that there's nowhere near the profit in that day that there should
0: be. Yeah, and some people, and here, this comes down to this comes down to the mistake that most businesses make when they go under job costing. Unless you understand what you were just saying, Dave. Correct what a job actually costs you to fulfill, yep. then if you just go, all right, I'll do you it for half price, you you're probably not even sacrificing profit. You're probably losing money. Potentially. So so okay. if you then continue trading at, at these undercutting prices, and it happens in the mm. trade industries all the time, you know, you've got joiners and plumbers and electricians undercutting work mm-hmm. to the point where it no longer becomes profitable. Absolutely. Right. And that's when companies quickly fall off a cliff. Correct. So you're absolutely right. You can hold your own on the price negotiation if you truly take time to understand the peripherals of why the price is at that point yeah, in the first place. Because you can stand in front of a customer, whether you're selling technology, communications, whether you're selling a, a, a you know a product, whether you're selling services, no matter what it is, and you can say, "Well, listen, the price is the price because of A, B, C, and D." Correct, right? And and to in order to fulfill and deliver it to you to the highest value which is, let's let's just remind ourselves, is for these reasons, these yes. business outcomes for you,
1: yeah.
0: that's why the price is the price. Correct. It's very difficult for anybody to challenge you on that. Well, but, it is. But when you don't know your job costings and you can't break it down like that, they go, well, you're too expensive on that day rate. And I go, well, no, we're not. And they'll go, well, I think you are because I can get it half price elsewhere. And then you're locked in a really, really difficult conversation. Uh,
1: and then the poor negotiator will say, well, I'll tell you what, my boss has given me authorization to give you a 10% discount.
0: Yeah. So do you think, let, let's re, let's just ask a question on that then, Dave. Do you think um, that the, the, the ch- this challenge fundamentally is driven by the lack of education and training organizations give their salespeople, their negotiators, their account managers, their buyers around the peripherals of the price? So rather than just give your employees a price list and say, that's the price list, they need education of the breakdown of that price list so they can hold their own in negotiations, does that yeah, make absolutely sense? Absolutely, does. Do you say there's a big opportunity for that?
1: I think there's a huge opportunity, um, but I guess we've got to to mention the nervousness around some businesses in, I guess, unveiling to salespeople that are at a certain level, where these sorts of numbers are only known at, at other levels, hmm. higher levels, you know, in terms of how much a business makes, profitability, and all the rest of it. You know, very few organizations will cascade that level of information down to the people on the on the call face, if you like, yeah. for fear of, of of understanding, I suppose. Yeah. You know, you get paid X, crikey, the company are getting paid X, look how much money they're making. You know, so there's that, that fear factor. Um, we don't have that here because we're a small business. We know exactly how much um, things cost, more or less, because, you know, we, you talk about the costs of, of the business an awful lot. Doing things we don't. No, and rightly so. Is our you know each of the salaries? Yeah, because some of it has to be
0: confidential, of course. Of course, but you can you can get to the nearest point where you go listen on a monthly basis to deliver what we deliver. We have a bunch of costs, and if we price the day rate and the and the packages that we do at this uh, point, it means everybody gets paid. We keep the lights on. And we put a bit away yeah. for prof- as profit so we can build up our reserves for a rainy day. Yeah, and that's absolutely. good business, right? Yeah, you
1: know, it is, and, absolutely.
0: And, 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 and the more, then, that you sell, the, the more you stack that profit and the more you grow as an organisation, the more we can afford more resources, more, more sure. staff, et cetera. But you're right, I'm very transparent with, with mm. you guys, and I know we're, we're smart, but there's no reason why people can't be within the bounds like you say mm. of certain things. Sure. Because if people understand the business model, and why things are priced the way they do. When you're having conversations with customers about price, you can hold your own. I mean, how many times have we had customers say to us, Martin, you want to deliver, you want to send Dave to deliver negotiation training to our, you know, eight salespeople, your quote is, you know, three grand because you've throwing in a couple of licenses to the whole plushy your mm-hmm. day rate. And I can get, I've got another quote for 750 quid, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we turn around and we say, Well, listen, if you want to send eight to 10 of your salespeople through through a negotiation course right, with the quality materials, the practical tools, and an online embedding system that allows them to revisit and embed those tools on an ongoing basis for 750 quid, Mm -hmm. then I will shake your hand and say good luck to you. Thanks very much. Because we we know that it's not possible. You're going to end up with a one-man band who's got some experience in negotiation, who will turn up with poor training materials and no online system. That's what you get for 750 quid. Yeah, exactly. So you're right. If you understand the peripherals, you hold your own on price. Mm, Absolutely. And I think before we discuss some of the other ones, Dave, it's a great point you make, and I would implore organizations listening to this or people who are listening to this who have to negotiate, do you understand why your price points are your price points? Mm, Exactly. Do you understand how it breaks down? Do you understand what profit margin is in that? And if you're an organization who's asking for 70% profit margins, then maybe you are getting your pricing wrong. But if you're an organization asking for 10, 15, 20, 25% profit margins, anywhere within that, that's normal. Mm-hmm. That's normal. But you need to understand how it's how you've come to that conclusion.
1: Yeah, absolutely you do. Yeah, absolutely. And and with with that greater level of, of understanding around the detail of where price comes from and how it's made up, it helps with the other negotiable issues. Because if I understand the cost of the logistics, if I understand the cost of staff, for example, then I understand the knock-on effect and the implication on reducing the price, i.e. where we're going to take a hit somewhere else. Does it mean that somebody in the supply chain is doing the job for free?
0: Yeah, and it's, and it's different, and you make a great point, and it's really different for different people. A lot of people say to me, so we have licensing for our hub. So you have a, a um, you know, a twenty-five, a single user license, a twenty-five user license, a fifty user license, and unlimited. And sometimes people go, Martin, can you throw in an extra ten user license? Mm. And I go, Well, I can, but we'd have to charge you a little bit more. And they say, But why? It's only an online system. Mm. It's only registering mm. another ten users. Mm. Why would it cost you any more to 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 service that? And I say, Well, it actually does yeah. because. So there's, a, there's an, ad, there's a, you know, albeit small, but there's an addition in hosting costs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's every time we pump more people onto the system, the storage uh, costs yep. for the organization go up. So you got to spend, you know, you got to yeah. inquire. Uh, the staffing costs. You got MI. to get more space in, in the Amazon cloud. Yeah. The the staffing cost for servicing the customers is the highest one. So right. the more people we have on the hub, the more incoming questions we get yeah. through the request for pathway. Or the, so the more busy our consultancy mm. team are. That's right. So you start adding mm. up all this. Yes, I could add another ten users on for you at no cost. But if I did that for every customer on the hub, yeah. and we were then inundated with a thousand more inquiries a month, mm. I am going under. Absolutely. So but it's I, the implications. But if I you know the answer, Dave, to the question. I can calmly Correct. articulate why we need to charge for those users because then absolutely. they'll go, oh, didn't realize there was all that involved. Mm. Okay. Right? If I just go, no, 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 because that's our licensing model, then I'm in a poor negotiation yeah, situation. Absolutely.
1: But and, and on the flip side to that, you know, you've got the ability because you've got that greater level of, of knowledge around the detail. You could potentially, I'm not saying you would, because it wouldn't be a great move. However, you could potentially say, well, listen, I'll tell you what, I will give you those 10 licenses, but guess what? It means the facility to request pathways will be turned off. It means that you won't be able to get any management information. It means that it might be a bit slower sometimes because we're not paying for the extra storage on the cloud or whatever it might be. So all you have is the user interface. So you
0: can read, watch, and listen and nothing else. So that's a classic negotiation technique because then the, the, the customer can come back to me and go, Well, that doesn't sound very good. Yeah. I'll just take the 10 paid users. Correct.
1: Or, or they can say, Do you know what? That sounds all right. It sounds exactly yeah, what I we'll need. Yeah,
0: we'll see how we get on and then we'll upgrade if we need to. Correct. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, I love that, Dave. That's a really, really, I think we could talk about price all day long. We've already spent mm-hmm. 15 minutes on it. But I think people listen to this, if you're a salesperson, if you're a negotiator, if you're a buyer, if you're a business owner who have people in your teams doing this, do they understand how to break their price, the value of their proposition down to explain everything almost like itemized? So uh, it helps them fight or better handle those price negotiations that they get into. Well, because, very but, simply,
1: if they don't have that knowledge, they can't carry out the basic fundamentals of negotiation, which is trading and bargaining. Yeah.
0: They'll just, I'll just end give up, you an example of trading and bargaining. They'll just end up going, um, let me have a word with my manager, and then the, and no, then they're already so on the back foot. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Sure.
0: Cool. So that's price. I think the next one we come along, Dave, is can you negotiate on if it's not the price on the products and the deliverables? You touched upon it there. Mm-hmm. With listen, I can't um, give you a move on the price, but what I can maybe do is restrict the product or or do something. You know, again, you could say I could give you a bit extra product, but there's a price implication to that, right? So, Correct. can you negotiate on products and deliverables?
1: Well, the easy answer, and this 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 might cover to a point everything else we're going to discuss, is that one of the basic rules of negotiation, or one of the other basic rules, is never negotiate on on a single issue in isolation, because they're all linked to one another. As we said, they all lead to price. Yeah. So, if we do negotiate on something, we've got to understand the implications on everything else. So, if we are going to give some product away for free, or if we're going to get it to a customer quicker than we normally would, what is the implication to our business if we do that? Yeah, now, of course, if we understand the implications, we can say, do you know what? We can do it. Mm. It, it will eat into the profit margin somewhat, but do you know what? this customer is worth it.
0: yes. and 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 it's, and if you're doing general initiatives like buy one, get one free, for example, that's the classic one, isn't <laughs> right. Yeah. You've calculated that you need a bit of a pickup towards a month or a quarter end. So you say, let's say you sell a product yeah. online, and you say, "Look, listen, for this limited time, you buy one, you get one free." And you've done that based on the fact that you've got X amount left in stock. Yeah. So let's say you've got a hundred left in stock. You do buy one, get one free, and you think fifty people will buy it, and I'll get rid of all my stock, and I'm still because I've already paid for it, I'm still in profit. What happens then if you get two thousand orders? It then means you've got to source mm-hmm. 1,900 at full price in, and you're only getting paid for half of them. Mm-hmm. So, so this is what you're saying, isn't it? You know, it if is. you just do it on a single <laughs> issue, you could find yourself up in so much trouble, Absolutely right? You could. Yeah, so sure. much trouble, mm, for sure. So you want to tie into everything else, but I think sometimes where you've got prepaid stock in, or where you've got product... Or deliverables that aren't and you've got to think about it, but they aren't going to cost you an an awful lot of, of extra money. Yes, you can nego- negotiate on on them. But it's still not a good idea to do it in as a single as a single transaction.
1: No, it it, it all reverts right back to to understanding the cost of concessions. Because as you know in, in negotiation language, a concession is something that we're gonna give away, but we should never give anything away for free. Yeah, It should always be bargained and traded with. So in the example of the bar one, get one free, listen, I will, I can do your bar one, get one free, but it's limited numbers. So I know exactly what I can do and what I can't do. It's limited numbers, but you know what? If you take advantage of the bar one, get one free, the knock-on effect is that the, the supply chain is going to be a little bit slower. It's going to come second class or third class as opposed to next day.
0: Mm. We, we've, you know, talking about licenses, online licenses, if you made the decision to go, right, I'll give you those 10 extra users, because you've got, you've got four months left of your 12 month contract. So for the remaining four months, I'm willing to give you those 10 users for free. Mm -hmm. But the condition is on the renewal, you renew them all at full price. Correct. So so your, your negotiation is I'm giving you the extra deliverables now because you're a good client and I want more people to use it and get excited about this. But I understand that if I keep giving you those licenses free over the coming years, that's going to be to my detriment. So I'm willing to take this window, Mm. but if you renew them, you renew them at full price. That's a smart negotiation. That's a not, genuine negotiation. Not just, if you keep renewing your contract, I'm just going to keep giving you 10 extra users every no, year, because you might have 10 dominant users who saturate your consulting team's time, sure. right? So, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and no, it makes sense. I, I, I like that, Dave, and I think that's another real actionable tip. I, I want to talk about terms, mm. payment terms, and, mm. and, and and just general terms of service and stuff, SLAs, and SLAs, you yeah. could put it all in, in the thingy, but... I'm going to leave you to talk about SLAs and terms. I I just want to put a 10 pence in on on payment terms. You know I feel strongly about this. Some people try to win the business by negotiating that they will spread the cost of the product or the service over the course of the year. Mm -hmm. For certain business models where all of that cost, all the deliverables and the products aren't going to be used up front, it works. So, for example, if you're saying... um, you know, I'm going to do your IT support for you, right? But I aren't going to charge you two grand up front in January and support you for the year. Mm -hmm. I'm going to spread your support costs across the year because you're going to be using your support Mm -hmm. over that period of time, right? So that works. But here's the big thing I'm talking about here. If you try and win a deal, which you're going to largely, which involves you delivering a product up front or in one go, Mm -hmm but you spread the cost beyond the service or the product yeah. you are a fool and the reason i say that is be, or even if you offer payment terms on like i will do it now but you can pay me on 90 days just and to I'll win pay the, later yeah you, <laughs> i will do it all now within the next 2 weeks whether it's a service or a product and i'll give it to you and you don't have to pay for 90 days mm. the reason that that's a fool strategy is because you're constantly behind from a cash flow perspective mm. all the time. Sure. You know, you have in the trades industry, you have people, or in the logistics and transport industry, people trying to win jobs by giving extended payment terms. Mm. And what happens is they incur all the cost up front of the product, the delivery, the staff, the whatever it is to fulfill it, mm-hmm. and you're not getting your money for 90 days. Sure. Sooner or later, and that's if they pay you on time, sooner or later, you're going to fall off a cliff. Profit, you can survive without profit, but you cannot survive a single month without cash. Yep. I hope, Theopathetus off the Dragon's Den, I heard him say that mm-hmm. once. I've never forgotten mm-hmm. it. It's true. It is, 100%. Cash is king. Cash up front for products, or at least cash on 30 days. Yep. So that's just my little 10 pence on negotiating terms mm-hmm. from a price perspective. Mm-hmm. But what's your thoughts on, can you use SLAs and service and terms in general as a negotiating point?
1: Yeah, there's an awful lot of organizations and businesses that would have very specific guidelines around what they expect in terms of their service-level agreements. Um So, I mean, we tend to break all of the negotiation negotiable issues down, but there's probably, you know, I don't know, easily 10 or so that you could squash into the header of service-level agreements. So an organization that receives products through a supply chain could have – Payment terms. They could have storage costs. They could have breakage compensations, um,
0: cancellation clauses,
1: cancellations. They could have retainers.
0: That's the, a big retainers. one. Cancellation and, yeah. And so you you, know, you reserve the right to cancel within this window some people will fundamentally be happy to proceed based on the fact they've got some time yeah, to, to, to renege mm. on it mm. if they're not happy. Yeah, sure. Uh, that that could be a really big negotiating mm. point, couldn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, and I guess from my experience, there's an awful lot of SLA stuff that that could actually become legally bound. Mm. So SLA stuff can be written in law. So when we're trying to negotiate around law, uh, legal and and law, it's much more difficult. Yeah, uh, and it's a longer process for sure.
0: Yeah, but it can be done, and, and and therefore one of the one of the recruitment strategies in the recruitment industry over recent years has been that emergence of of terms of of mm. money back. Mm. So the the, claw, the clawback. The clawback and the so if you if you yeah. place a recruit uh, at twenty percent fee of their salary into an organisation, you receive that twenty percent, mm. and it's a decent whack. Yeah. You know, if the employee. Um, leaves after 3 months you get 75% of that fee back sure. if they leave after 4 months it's 50% 5 months 25% 6 months you get nothing yeah so actually it gives the company some insurance mm. that i'm not just going to part with thousands of pounds and he's going and my employee's going to walk out the door after 6 weeks and i'm left with nothing yeah, so they've they've cleverly and, and and rightly so started to incorporate certain terms that allows them to negotiate better with their customers
1: yeah, and, and um, a really uh, a frequent one in um, recruitment is a retainer, a, a, con- a contracted retainer. So you're bringing us on board to find a person for you who's got a gross salary of 60 grand. Well, do you know how long it could potentially take and the resources behind that, you know, the media campaign that we're going to have to get involved in to attract that type of candidate. Then, of course, they're sorting the candidates and so on and so forth. I want some money up front. Yeah. So this retainer piece might well be ten percent of the gross salary as a retainer so that I can actually start working on it. Yeah. As you say, and the comparable was the logistics industry, if I do all that work up front, find you five candidates who I think absolutely fit the bill, fit your mandate perfectly, send them over after screening and you say no to them all, I've done a hundred hours work for nothing.
0: Yeah, which, and that's, and I get that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then you get the stigma sure. with other people going, yeah, but on other cases, you've done two links in searches and sent me two CVs.
1: It <laughs> de- that's the quality it, of the organization. It depends indeed, on the right? quality of the
0: organization. There'll be some recruiters out there, if they're listening to this, smiling, going, yeah, there's plenty of those, but it's not us. And that's the key thing. So if you're a smart
1: buyer there, you say, well, listen, I'm happy to pay a retainer, but I want to see the evidence. I want to see what and, you're doing. And as a basic model, what are you model, doing differently yeah, that I
0: can't do? As a basic model, yes.
1: these are the things in terms of criteria that I need to see. In terms of the work you're putting in to find the right candidates,
0: yeah. So you, you know, so so far, Dave, we, you know, we're just bringing all this together, we've got four minutes left, and I want to touch on one final point: price. We spent a lot of time on, but it's important. Some great it's there. Always the elephant in the room. It is, uh, and and understand your peripherals. Get some training involved. How do you break down your price points? How do you justify it? What's your profit margin? How do you conclude on that? Mm. Products and deliverables, we can do, but be aware of the knock-on effect. Mm-hmm. It's all right, 100%. say you buy one, get one free, or I'll give you 10 extra of these, or yeah. what's the ongoing effect of that Correct. to the detriment of the organisation? Terms and service, if it's cash, cash upfront or on 30 days, don't go beyond that, yeah. if you can help it, unless your business model right. is recurring revenue, because you, what you're delivering is, the, the risk is low because you're not delivering it all in one go, it's over the course of a term. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, and... Finally, there, you talked a little bit um, uh, at the end there about um, what was we talking about right at the end? Retainers and stuff. Retainers yes. and stuff. Different from- things you can do with terms, cancellation clauses, clawbacks, and yep. retainers. Absolutely. There's loads of options that you can play with. Sure. So, the final thing I want to throw in there, Dave, with three minutes left, is this. We see a bit of a pattern and something different where, with everything we've talked about, we've assumed a supplier is providing a customer. So, mm-hmm. it's a negotiation between supplier and customer dynamic. Mm-hmm. But there are those organizations out there who are both customer and supplier to each other. Mm. And that's a great thing because it means we're looking after each other. You know, we've got plenty of these relationships where, you know, some, you know, we've got. Um, uh, the person who uh, is our landlord and provides all our facilities is also a customer of our training. You know, the person, the company who produce our T2 Hub and our uh, software development and our hosting, you know, they're also a client of our training. So we have this relationship where it's like, you know, you buy my products and services and I'll buy yours. Mm -hmm. And we've got this sort of contra arrangement, this exchange of service relationship. Now, we do see that Neg- negotiations probably naturally ha- are naturally more productive in that scenario because it's not just about customer supplier anymore there's a much more to it and um we'll probably we'll probably extend and come back no we'll probably extend and come back for for five extra minutes there yeah. we'll do a little part you know a little little break and then restart in part 2 because i think it's important okay. um so they tend to collaborate better than the other dynamic. Now, I've got a few thoughts around that, um, but I just wondered, what's your thoughts? Does it does the dynamic change in negotiation between when you when you're both a customer and a supplier of each other?
1: Well, do you know what? I guess my immediate reaction to that is is very simply that the negotiation will be a pure negotiation. It's what all negotiation should be. Yeah. Because you set off on the on the right journey. You want collaboration. You're already friends. You're already making assumptions about one person, one party wanting to help the other party, and vice versa. You're already setting off with the right attitude in terms of we're already friends, so let's stay friends.
0: So the din- So yeah, and um, what we'll do is we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna just take a short break in a second, Dave, and we're gonna come back in because I think it's fascinating. I think your first observation is there is a level of relationship and rapport and probably trust there already. Yep. And that's the statement of intent in the relationship. Mentality and attitude. Okay. right. right. Let's leave that Dave there, Dave. Have a, let's have a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. We'll be back in a couple of moments, and we'll continue that discussion to finish this Hubcast off, all right? All righty. So, Dave, we're back. Part two. Part two. Short break there. Um, so, Dave, we were talking about um, this slightly different dynamic in negotiation between uh, when it's not just supplier and customer relationship, it's actually we're both using each other as a supplier and a customer. It's almost turned into more of a of being a partner. Mm. Um, and we do see really effective negotiations going on there. As we said, you you made the point before the break, Dave, that the fundamental in, instant difference is there's a greater level of rapport, trust, and natural will yeah. between two parties who have agreed to buy and and sell products to each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, if you're listening to this and you're in those situations, or if you if you listen to this and you you don't have many of those relationships, we're just going to pick out a few things, Dave. That um, that probably they do naturally as a result mm-hmm. of this dynamic that other people can maybe do. Sure. The first one I'm going to say, Dave, is they look for win wins. Mm-hmm. When you've got both a supplier and customer relationship with somebody, you can't just hardball in negotiation. You can't look for the I will win because you're jeopardizing the business they play with you. Correct. Does that make sense? 100% So so you're already naturally looking for a win-win because you don't want to upset them because their business is valuable to you, right? So you always talk about win-wins a lot. And one of the things, what's the analogy you give, Dave, where you talk about it's not about two people being in the corner room and meeting in the centre. What is it?
1: Well, win-win is very rarely 50-50. Yeah. So the analogy is that you're in one corner room and I'm in the other corner of the room opposite you. Through the negotiation period, lots of people think we're supposed to meet in the middle it's not about meeting in the middle it's meeting in a mutual agree, mutually agreeable place somewhere on that line and that doesn't matter whether it's closer to you or closer to me as long as we're both
0: satisfied and happy and and that's entirely situational depending on the Correct. situation absolutely it is. and, and depend on the issue and i live and i love that win win isn't saying well I, I, it needs to be 50-50 and equal yep. win win says i'm comfortable hmm. that you've taken a step
1: yeah
0: or steps and you're comfortable where I, where I've come from, Correct. and 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 that's what uh, this exchange of services sort of contra relationship where we where we're both customer and supplier to each other really naturally happens because mm-hmm. you're always thoughtful of risking the relationship, and therefore it's like how do we find the common ground, the yeah, win win in this? Yeah, the next one is relationship. Mm. You seem we seem to have better relationships because you've got the relationship uh, element from. I, I I supply to you, which is one type of relationship, and also also I'm a customer of you, which is another relationship. So you're on both ends of the relationship. You almost mm. have an understanding naturally of both ends of the spectrum with dealing with the same people. Mm. You get to understand how they deliver what they do, and you also get to experience how they are as a customer. And I think that's a really – it gives you a much more rounded view of the way people operate.
1: Well, i tell you what is a really interesting situation because, I mean, this – you know, we fall into this category, um, you know, with somebody who is um, on the verge of of becoming a customer of ours, they've signed up and paid and so forth, but we haven't yet delivered a day's training. Um, and and we'll, they're going to become a customer of ours and we're going to become, become a customer of theirs. We're going to start using their building. We haven't done so yet. So actually, you've entered into a really positive forward-thinking negotiation before either party are customers of each other. Yeah. So it's based on future relationships, yes, rather and, and, than the relationship that's that we've down, got at the
0: moment. And that's down to individuals. That's down to the quality of the individuals who you just like, you is. know is. Yeah. But relationships, something that that this dynamic really gets right. Here's one for me, Dave. I think when two people are in more of a partnership where you're both procuring services and products from each other as supplier and customer, um, you, there's more of a long-term view you tend to look more at the long-term partnership than the short-term transaction. Sure. And and like you're saying, if we're going to be occupying a building and some fantastic facilities for the next three years with this Mm -hmm. organisation, that's a long-term commitment. Absolutely. So... In turn, we're looking at how long-term we can really mm. deliver our quality services and training to that that organisation. Absolutely. When you start looking long-term rather than the short-term transaction, it's not the small things like you were saying earlier. It's not the small price points and things you're going to get bogged down on. It's more about that fluid mm. overall relationship that's mm. a win-win. Mm. So I think long-term vision is a key one. Yeah. And the last one I put to you, Dave, which is interesting to see what you think is, it generally is less emotional when it's a two-way relationship, and, and and I think I said earlier that price spikes emotion, arguing over price mm-hmm. or negotiating over mm-hmm. price spikes emotion. But I think when you have more to lose, you become more con, you be more, you're more likely to to engage your rational brain about situations. Mm because you don't want to jump in with two feet because you have more to lose. So you generally and naturally are more likely to pause, mm. which means you suppress emotional responses to situations than you would do if it was a, sh- a purely transactional relationship between you and the customer or the pro- uh, the provider. Mm. Do, you, do you agree?
1: Yeah, I do, 100%. Um, but I guess what I would add to that is that, that all negotiations should steer clear of emotion.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: Because you rightly identify when we start injecting emotion into a situation, it's got the potential to go down the hill very quickly because then we're actually taking it personally. And actually, do you know what? It's it's very rarely my own money I'm negotiating with. It's very rarely my own business. It's mm. very rarely my thing. So, so actually, we, we don't need to take it personally. And the way to remove that emotion is just through really thorough planning and preparation, i.e., Understanding exactly what we're going to negotiate and at every single point and juncture that we can move and adjust what we're going to trade, what we can concede on and what we want in return, having a real thorough understanding of all that background information enables you to take the emotion away from it. Mm. Because every time something comes back at you, you're prepared.
0: Yeah. No, it makes as sense. As
1: opposed to unprepared and
0: emotional. Like it. So Dave, I think we'll wrap it up around about there. We've we've done a good 35, 36 minutes there. And I think um, there's some really, really practical points in there. We've talked about price. It is the number one, you call it the elephant in the room. It's the number one common negotiable issue, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you'll find yourself negotiating over price points more and costs more than anything. 100% is the most destructible. It's the most destructive. It's 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 the the most most emotive. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I thought you made a really good valid point there. I mean we could talk about a number of things on price, but if there's one thing people take away from this hubcast, it's understand the breakdown of price. Mm-hmm. Price isn't just price. It's the peripherals and the over you know the under underarching uh, contributing factors towards that price that you need to understand because mm-hmm. that will allow you to stand your ground far better, more credibly, more professionally than just arguing the point of a price, sure. right? Yeah you don't have that find it for, ask your organization for it right because that that's a really really important point mm. um products and deliverables yes there's a place for it but just be mindful of the impact the ongoing impact Absolutely. if you get it wrong mm-hmm. don't look at the short-term gain for the long-term pain sure. but yes we can negotiate over products and deliverables terms and service was interesting mm-hmm. whether it's cancellation clauses and retainers and mm-hmm payment terms and split costs and all the rest of it. Just be careful with that. But um, yes, you can use, you can negotiate on terms effectively. And I think the final point was, you know, this different dynamic we see where where two organisations provide services and our customers of the other organisation. It's a completely different dynamic and they get some things really, really right. And this is what you can take into every negotiation. Look for the win-wins. Establish a deep, meaningful relationship. Relationships is absolutely as you say. Think long term, not short term. Correct. And take the emotion out of it. Mm. And if you do that, you won't go too far wrong. Dave Pendleton, that was amazing. Thank you very much. And we'll be back shortly with another T2 hubcast.